You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Coming up on this episode of the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. Even in Christian comedy, there's a little bit of room there to be a little bit more real. And when a comic is real and still honoring God, there's really some magic that can happen. It was either to defend against people who were picking on me. Uh, Many times it was a way to hide how I felt. So I used comedy as a way to project a certain persona or a certain attitude. Meanwhile inside, I was really struggling. When you flip over that table and use creativity and humor to expose the darkness to light, now it can be addressed. It's not something so much to be feared. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Eubanks. Today, we have Dave Ebert from Gifts for Glory Ministries. He is an improv comedian with well-versed comedy from the Chicago area. He also runs the Gifts for Glory Podcast. We talk about his experience with comedy and how comedy helped him get out of a place of depression in his life. And so this episode is Kingdom Through Comedy, one I've been wanting to do for quite a while. I feel like all the different niches we've had, comedy is one that really excited me. And so I reached out to Dave Ebert through a uh, Facebook group, and we hooked this up. He's a great man who's, who's working towards licensing to be a, a minister as well. He also runs Pure Fest. We talk about his time in pro wrestling. That's right, pro wrestling. He was big boy. Buddy love was his stage name. He did that for a few years and we, we talk about all that as well. So this will be a fun episode. Don't forget to check us out on kingdombringer.com. There you can find the blogs, all of the podcast episodes, sign up for the email list. We would love to hear from you guys and be able to communicate with you. Don't forget also to go on to Apple Podcasts if you're listening to us there and rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. It helps us out. We want you guys to go do that if you can. Share these out. Every Tuesday they release, check out the Kingdom Bringer podcast on Facebook. And when that link is uploaded to the page, share it to your page. You would be part of our share team. That's how it works. Thank you guys so much for that. That's it. Here we go. Here's my episode with Dave Ebert of Gifts for Glory Ministries and Well-Versed Comedy. Enjoy and be blessed. You're from Chicago, right? Yes. Okay. Are you a Cubs fan? Yes. Are you really? uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't always work out great for me, but, uh, you know, the last couple of years have been kind of tough. Well, I grew up, so I've born and raised in Kansas, but I grew up a huge Cubs fan, mainly just because all we had was WGN. So I grew oh, up, okay. I grew up on Harry Carey. I grew up with Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson mm-hmm. and the boys. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, this is what I, I kept telling my wife when we were dating that I'm a Cubs fan, which means that I'm ready for the uh, for better and the for the worse. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was nice to finally get one though, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. And I, I remember the moment just seeing you know um, Chris Bryant with that smirk as he picked up that <laughs> uh, that grounder. Yeah, because he knew at the second the ball was coming to him that that the game was over, yeah. which is really cool. Yes. Even the Sox fans, for the most part, were pretty cool about it. Like, you guys finally got one. Congratulations. And, uh, it was, <laughs> Did you get to really partake cool. in much of it or no? I had to work. Did you? Know, you? One of those dumb job things. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard about those. Yeah, they're overrated. That's, that's how I feel, too. <laughs> what is, who is your favorite comedian, sir? My favorite comedian? Uh, there, there's actually quite a few, depending on the day and 
Um, one of my uh, favorite influences is John Candy. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, a little bit of Chris Farley. And uh, right now, uh, the guy touring is Michael Jr. So those would be my three. Absolutely, yeah. So um, is is comedy a little bit like music? So I, I kind of grew up, I love music. I've been a concert promoter in the past, and I've talked to a lot of bands and dealt with a lot of bands, and they've all got influences. Like they've all got musical influences that, that they base their band off of or their sound off of. Is comedy that way a little bit or no? Comedy is uh, definitely influenced by previous comics. Yeah. Um, there's... There's always that flow, and even if it's not a direct, you know, influence, there's always that subtle influence. And comedy is always something that ends up coming in cycles. Um, like right now, we're starting to see it go from that ultra PC where people are getting tired of it to being a little bit more real, yeah, and, and a little bit more unfiltered. Uh, as a Christian, you know, we, we'd have certain limits where we won't cross a, uh, certain lines. Right. But I think even in Christian comedy, there's a little bit of room there to be a little bit more real. And when a comic is real and still honoring God, there's really some magic that can happen. Dude, that's so good. I was actually thinking today, one of the questions I was going to ask you was like, for me personally, I think that comedians are some of the greatest truth tellers. Mm -hmm. So like, let, let's say good comedians. I think that's kind of what separates the good from the bad comedians, in my opinion, is like when they get real and their, their, their ability to tell the truth. Because I think, you know, no, no matter what, what their belief system is, you can tell when they're being real with themselves or not. You know? Right, right. And I think that's when some of the best comedy comes out. Can you give, give some examples of that for you? Like what's, what's some things that, what's some ways that you've seen comedy come back around to that, that truth telling. Well, I think the, the, the one thing that is really on the, um, on everyone's forefront is, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle's uh, recent special. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of stuff obviously that I wouldn't cover or talk about, but just the fact that he pulled no punches and he told as much truth as he could see, uh, yeah. as, as he knows. And it, sh it shook a lot of people up. Uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, at the golden Globes. Yes kind of you know hitting people you know in, the, in some soft spots in areas that uh, you know most people are afraid to touch yeah and comedy is a way to very go in very disarmed and or you know not violently but in a way just kind of break down walls and expose things to light that otherwise you couldn't uh, the, there are things that Ricky Gervais said that were received because it was funny that just a standard speech wouldn't even be considered but because he went for the funny it got replayed went viral and there are a lot of concepts that he he touched on that that people would otherwise talk about yeah and um again you know it, it's a different world because uh, you know as a christian there are things we don't talk about or we don't touch or we don't address in the way that you know dave Chappelle or ricky gervais do but we can still because God is the ultimate creator, we're inspired by the ultimate creator, still get to those topics and still get to those concepts, but in a way that's not uh, laden with language that you have to cover your six-year-old kid's ears with. What, what are some of those things that you feel like the, the church has maybe um, not been open to talking about that you feel should be open game in comedy? Um, I, yeah, there are, are definitely issues that the church shies away from um, either because they don't want to see, be seen as political. Or they don't want to see, be seen as uh, picking one side or the other. Um, I, I don't know how, but you know, like the homosexuality thing for churches that yeah. are still sticking to the biblical uh, directive of marriage. Uh, I think that Christian comics could find a way through the creativity to address those things. Yeah. I think one other thing that's kind of near and dear to me uh, because of my experience and testimony would be um, mental health. Um, right. Again, it, sitting here just chatting, I don't know off the top of my head how comedy can address those things. But I know that those are things that the church needs to address. Um, also, sometimes we can also address the fact that some churches are willing to die on that hill of homosexual marriage, right. but they won't address divorce among the congregation. Right. They won't address adultery in their congregation. They won't address 
alcoholism in their congregation. So they, so you know, there's some comedy potential there to make a message of what hill are we dying on as far as what sins we say are bad and what sins we're willing to sweep under the rug. That's good, man. So I think those are areas that comedy and creativity can address that maybe we're afraid to because of the political climate. But, you know, Jesus wasn't afraid of turning over tables, That's either right. figuratively or literally. That's right. And uh, sometimes you kind of have to because when you flip over that table and use creativity and humor to expose the darkness to light, now it can be addressed. And now it's not something so much to be feared. That's good. I think, and I think you're right, man. I think comedy, if anybody can do it, it's, it's the comedy world, I would think, right? They, they would have more access to the hearts of the people in regards to being able to kind of pierce through some of that maybe callousness <laughs> that, mm-hmm. the, that the church has been so used to. And I think, you know, if, I guess the better way to put it would be anybody, if there's anybody that can rip the bandaid off, it'd be the comedian, right? Right. Because you get, when you have that comedy, it's kind of like a little bit of sugar to go with the medicine, you know, there a you spoonful go. of sugar, yeah. helping the medicine go down. Yeah. And also one thing you have to be careful about is as, you know, as somebody who's representing Christ, you don't want to bait and switch. You there don't want to say, Hey, come to this comedy show. And then suddenly turn into this commentary show that's using humor. That's good. If yeah. you, I mean, if you're advertising as a as a comic, message you know, include your messaging, but don't do it in such a way where it's like you've switched people, you know, and people that's come good. in feeling like they were deceived because and, we're not the you know we don't work for the author of confusion. We work for the author of clarity of understanding, and uh, to do anything you know, under the table would be completely wrong and would hurt the message. And that's, isn't that ultimately what Gervais was kind of hitting hit to a little bit mm-hmm. with like the I, whole, you know, we, we're watching that. We're watching a bunch of entertainers to be entertained, not to be like preached to. Isn't right. that kind of what that was all about? Yeah. Come up, say your little speech, take your little award. <laughs> um, and, and don't turn this into a thing about politics because what did they do 20 minutes later, accepting awards? And exactly. They're, they're blaming the tragic fires in Australia on global warming when it was actually nothing but arson. That's right. Yeah. And, and nobody's like going on Twitter and saying, Hey, our fault. We retract what we said, the golden globes. It was actually arson, not global warming. There's a, there's definitely a sense of immunity that they feel like they have for sure. Right. So man, where did you get into, into comedy? We can talk, let's talk a little bit about what kind of what propelled you into into comedy? What made you seek after that? My whole testimony is built on comedy. Um, you know, as a young kid, I found myself always wanting to entertain. I kind of, my drug is other people laughing. There you go. Uh, in, in many ways. Uh, so as a young kid, I would try to entertain my parents. And that was always, you know, what kind of made me different or made me special. And then in high school, um, I started battling with depression. I fell into a really dark place. Uh, for many, many years, and comedy became a way of uh, defending myself. It was either to defend against people who were picking on me, uh, to disarm that situation. Uh, Many times it was a way to hide how I felt. So I used comedy as a way to project a certain persona or a certain attitude. Meanwhile, inside, I was really struggling. And it was also a way for me to find self-worth, because if I was helping people not feel how I felt, then I had value and I was offering something to the world, uh, which helped me survive the depression because uh, the depression was definitely deep. It definitely had a hold. And there were many times where I thought about and really planned and considered taking a final step. Um, And uh, many times, you know, I cursed myself for being too weak to take that step. But you know, obviously looking back, it was that still small voice of, of somehow coaxing me into taking that next step or, uh, living that next day and not giving in to the, the lies of the enemy. Yeah, man. And, uh, so comedy was always something I used as a defense mechanism. And the way I tell it to people is I used to use comedy as a way to hide myself, but now I use it as a way to reveal him. Oh, that's cool, man. So in 2013, uh, God had been reaching out to me and trying to get my attention for a while. I finally gave in and uh, started reading Rick Warren's book, uh, Purpose Driven Life. Started reading my Dollar General uh, King James Version Bible, <laughs> uh, 
And, and at that point, because I was really new and pursuing faith, because I'd gotten saved as a sixth grader, but you know those seeds were never really watered. Uh, so in many ways, 2013 was like a recommitment, but it was also like a completely new conversion. So uh, depending on your reading of the Bible and beliefs, you could either say I was saved, walked away, and came back, or I was never saved until that time. Either right. way, I'm now with the Lord, so yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, but... You know, I started reading the Bible and even reading the King James Version. I, it was cool. I was understanding it and getting it. And um, I was sitting in a, a tiny 300-square-foot apartment in uh, Beckley, West Virginia, and reading Rick Warren's book. I was like, what is my purpose? Where do I go? And uh, the Lord showed me that I'm happiest in front of people. I'm happiest entertaining. And that's where I'm wired. That's where he wants me. And so I was like, well, I can't really do much of that here in Beckley, West Virginia. I was doing a lot of wrestling. Um, I was working on radio, which were two outlets, but it really wasn't the right place, either one. So uh, fortunately, in different conversations, my sister, uh, who is not uh, in a relationship with the Lord, but the Lord still used her. She offered me a place to stay uh, in uh, suburban Chicago. I was like, are you sure? And she said, yeah. So I packed everything up. And uh, six weeks after uh, uh, starting my relationship with the Lord, I was uh, on my sister's couch starting completely over in uh, early 2013. Wow. And I was coming here to pursue improv and comedy as a way to reach people and, again, to use it to reveal God, to reveal God's love and his purpose and, and how he can redeem any lost time if you just give it to him. And that's when we started uh, – uh, the Improv Group, which is a uh, faith-based group that uh, just does clean comedy as a way to open doors for conversations or set up speakers or otherwise find a way to minister through comedy. Right on. And that's how I got into it. And that's and that's well-versed, right, is the group? Correct. Yeah, we started as uh, Ha Ha Men, which was a, uh, a play on words with Ha Ha and Amen. There you go. Uh, but uh, often the play on words got lost, plus we are at a place where we have four women and one man, uh, myself being the man, um, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and the question always was, how are you ha-ha men when there's four women? And you know, these ladies are, are incredibly talented, amazing women. And we felt, and I especially felt, that it was not right for them to keep answering that silly question <laughs> and, and getting distracted. Let's just change the, the name. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, last year we chose well-versed because uh, it works for me because I love double meanings. So yeah. we're well-versed in comedy and well-versed in uh, scripture. There you go. Uh, so we've uh, been doing clean comedy around uh, Chicagoland. We uh, uh, performed in Indianapolis uh, suburbs uh, in February. And uh, we do church events, fundraisers, that kind of thing. And it's all about using comedy to minister, whether we go into a club and we're not able to actually preach or share the gospel from the stage. But if we just go in there carrying the light and love of Christ, the Holy Spirit can still minister even if we don't speak the gospel. Yeah, man. Explain to me, for those people that don't fully understand what improv comedy is, what, what exactly does that look like when you guys are performing your improv group? Sure. Um, many people have heard of or have seen uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, yeah. Uh, both the British and the American versions. That's basically what we do. We uh, get uh, suggestions from the audience and we perform uh, what we call games, which are scenes with certain rules or certain concepts that we have to work with. Um, and we just completely make it up off the top of our heads. Uh, there's no scripting. Uh, the only thing that did, you know that might happen is we might have a, a character that we've developed over time that we'll bring in, but we're going to plug into this situation that's created right before uh, the audience's eyes. Um, so it's all about it, – it's very much an adult version of pretend. Um, there you we, go, yeah. Uh, we kind of set up the rules, and then we create. Um, and it gets back to that um, – that childlike mentality that Jesus talks about of, you know, just tapping into that childlike creativity and just having fun together. Um, and, um, so it's, every show is completely unique. There have never been two shows exactly alike. Uh, even if we play the exact same games and somehow got the exact same suggestions, the fact that it's creating off the top of our heads in the moment 
Yeah. Um, there's going to be different elements because if we ate something different, the, you know, our mind is going to be processing things a different yeah. way. There you go. What you're thinking at the time, right? Right. That's good. And how the audience reacts. I mean, you could have the exact same audience there two nights in a row, but something has been different about their day. So their feedback to us through laughter, through suggestion, that's going to be different. So every show is completely different. Uh, there may be similar characters, but because we're feeding off each other, it's going to be a new experience each time. So you were talking about feeding off the audience, and I think I heard you earlier mention wrestling. Are you mm-hmm. talking about pro wrestling? Or are you talking about oh pro wrestling? Um, so you, I, uh, there was a season so, where you would you were pro wrestling for uh, eight years. I was a weekend warrior in uh, West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, uh, a couple times in Tennessee. Wow. Uh, Going out to shows, spending twenty bucks on gas, twenty bucks at the Waffle House, and being paid thirty-five bucks. Um, so, uh, and that is where ninety percent of my improv and acting training comes from. That's what I was um, going to say. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because uh, wrestling is improvised uh, theater in the round, and uh, basically we have um, you know a four-sided uh, stage. Uh, we have, um, uh, the crowd, uh, feeding back to us live. We have my scene partner or wrestling partner, uh, who, um, you know, we're telling the story together and, you know, each match, even though it's got a, like a beginning and an end, we're improvising in the middle based on all these factors. Um, so for instance, if my wrestling, uh, opponent or tag team partner, maybe they're having a bad night, maybe, uh, they're not feeling well, maybe they're distracted. Um, so now we have to improvise the match to cover up for that, um, for that case, or yeah. maybe, um, one of us is having a really great night. So now it's time for us to kind of expand the scene a little bit and allow that creativity to flow for the entertainment of the audience. And so it's, it's really interesting how similar wrestling and improv is. Uh, although every time I get, pick up a chair on stage to move it, uh, the ladies do get a little bit tense. <laughs> Everybody's shaking just a little bit. All eyes on you at that moment. So did you grow up enjoying wrestling? Actually, I, I did not get into wrestling until I was a junior in high school. Okay. Um, for, the mo- for the longest time, I thought, oh, man, this is crazy. This is stupid. Yeah. This is fake. Um, but let me tell you, wrestling is not fake. It may be choreographed. <laughs> right. There may be some scripting. But falling down on plywood and carpet padding is not fake. It it takes a toll. Um, But I got into it because one I just happened to be flipping through, got got to TNT, and I saw this big old country woman with no teeth just yelling at Ric Flair. And I was like, (laughs) wait, what is this? And she's like, I could kick your butt, Ric Flair. And I was like, okay, what is this about? So I watched it and I was like, oh, cool. And it wasn't uh, much longer after that Goldberg shows up, and oh, yeah. I became a huge Goldberg fan. And you know, it's it's kind of tickled me that uh, after all this time, Goldberg's back. He's a, a champion as we speak. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, wrestling was just so much fun because it was a distraction. It was athletic, uh, and the stories were interesting. And at that time, you had all these uh, athletes coming in. Um, you had Carl Malone, Dennis Rodman, uh, Kevin Green, all these guys. So it was like you got to see these worlds mesh together and it just, it made for a lot of fun. Very entertaining for sure. Oh yeah. And just seeing country people, you just yell at people like, I kick you back. <laughs> Cause you, uh, so did you perform like in like big shows or like, how did you, how'd that work out? You said you traveled most, a lot, right? Yeah. Most of my shows were, uh, for a smaller outfit called, uh, at that time, NWA mountain state wrestling, okay. uh, which was an NWA affiliate. We didn't have a huge draw, but, uh, you know, we'd average maybe 20 to 50 people a night. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they come out, they'd see us, uh, I was on shows with a guy named, uh, Stro or Maestro from WCW for a while. Uh, but I did do some bigger shows where I was on a show with Kevin Nash. I was on a show with, Disco Inferno. Right on. Um, uh, a few shows with uh, Buff Bagwell, who yep. you know, it's kind of cool. He and I uh, hit it off and were friends for you know there for a while when we were on shows together. Uh, Jimmy Hart knew me by name. He's like, buddy! Cause, wow. you know, my, my wrestling name was Buddy Love. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. 
that was that was a DJ name that was given to me uh, by my radio station boss. He's like, you know, we can't call you Big Daddy because we have a, a client that uses that as his you know trademark. So uh, let's go with something else. So in a matter of ten seconds, he goes from Big Daddy to Big Boy. Uh, how about Big Boy Buddy Love? That'll Big be your Boy name. Buddy Love. That's so that awesome. Was me. So eight eight years you said you did that. Yeah, for uh, eight years of weekends, just kind of traveling up and down. Yeah, um, you know, taking bumps, and you know, I trained at uh, Jimmy Valiant's camp in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, a lot of great guys come out of there. Um, a few guys that are on uh, AEW came through there as well. Um, so uh, Jimmy Valiant, you know, multiple time Hall of Famer, yeah. and all the different promotions. But yeah, it was. Uh, That's awesome, man. I rededicated my life to the Lord in 2013. I had to leave wrestling behind because as fun as it was and as important as it is now to what I'm doing, you know, the influences I was around were not going to help me grow in my faith at that time. Right. So that was uh, one of the things that I've seen looking back is why I couldn't find a church home in West Virginia is because God was going to uproot me. So that why am I going to plant roots in a new church and just rip myself out of it? So right. God was making sure that there's no reason for me to stay in West Virginia, which is not a slight against West Virginia. It's just that God's plan is bigger. Yeah, man. One of the things you had mentioned about kind of a, a way or a tool that you used comedy growing up was like a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is so true for so many people. Like I consider myself a, a funny guy and I've, I've often had to catch myself deflecting <laughs> with humor mm -hmm. and not actually getting away with deflecting the real problem. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like that is, 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 is that kind of an issue for a lot of people? Do you feel like, especially maybe, especially within the church? I, I believe that there is a lot, um, especially among men, uh, they'll use humor or, you know, facetious comments as a way to prevent other brethren from seeing where they are. Um, you know, they'll say, you know, silly things like, Hey, I'm living the dream or they'll say, Hey, I'm blessed and highly favored. These yeah. kind of comments instead of saying, Oh, you're asking me how I'm doing. Let me tell you how I'm doing. Yeah. And it may not be as deep as, as you know, little literal depression, but it's those down moments that we go from feeling down to finding ways to justify being in sinful behavior. We'll try to cope in other ways where, I, and I think pastors do it a lot. When a pastor has somebody say, how are you doing, pastor? They feel like because of their position, because of their pressure of being where they're at, they have to either use humor or some other way to deflect yeah. to make sure that people don't know what they're wrestling with. Um, so that, that, again, is an area of mental health where maybe we're not dealing with depression, but we're dealing with those down moments, those downward swings where we isolate ourselves and we become – that isolated wounded gazelle on the plane that the enemy can come and devour. Whereas if we stay together in a pack and are honest and open and share, it's harder for that roaming lion to take out an entire pack. That's good. So That's, I think that cause really, with it, really with it's that self-deprecating humor, right? Right. That self-deprecating humor or any uh, kind of the comment that deflects or, you know, puts up that wall. And I, I think that, as a church, you know, the, the universal church, the full body of Christ, we need to start tearing down some walls. Uh, there are people that we can't trust with that vulnerability. Yeah. And that's where wisdom and discernment come in. But when somebody genuinely cares about you, let them in and let them hear and share your burdens. So that way they can share their burdens with you because two people carrying each other's burdens is much lighter for both people. That's good. And that's, you know, it's the Forrest Gump philosophy. You know, you, you lean your head against me and I'll lean against you and we won't sleep with our heads in the mud. Yeah, that's good. And because we are in trenches. We're in, you know, in a war, a spiritual war, day in and day out. Uh, one of my favorite pastors to listen to on the radio is uh, Pastor James Ford out of Chicago. He says, if you don't meet the devil on your walk, it's because you're heading in the same direction. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so that's good. when we're facing the devil, we, we shouldn't do it alone. We shouldn't try to do it alone. We should... Be together, be open and transparent because the more fronts we put up, the easier it is for the for the for the devil to come get you because your walls are against the help instead of against him. How important 
is comedy to the church or how important should it be to the church? Do you think that the church maybe takes itself a little bit too? And I'm talking about the church universally as well. Do you mm-hmm. feel like maybe we take ourselves a little bit too seriously sometimes? I, I definitely think so. I, um, and again, it goes to that idea of the wrong idea. I think of church is this serious moment where we're here to worship. We're here to sing. We're here to hear somebody teach. Whereas church in the, you know, in the beginnings of the Christian church, it was a place of fellowship, of food, of celebration together, the celebration of the risen Christ, where people dance before the Lord. Yeah, man. And in this day and age, when there's so much cynicism, so much division, so much anger, so much angst, especially in the political realm, this is the time where humor needs to be allowed to come in and bring people together. Uh, because I don't have, I don't know the science behind it, but I know that when you're in a room of 30, 50, or 500 people, and if they're all strangers, but they laugh together for a few moments, that's good. Yeah. S- suddenly they're not alone. There's not one stranger in that room because they've all admitted something about themselves and they've all admitted a commonality that brings them together. So they're no longer alone and isolated. So now that they've laughed together, they're more open to hear the truth. And I think that there are a lot of great uh, pastors that open with a joke or open with a funny story to kind of break down some of those walls and bring people together. And I think that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's good. Um, because I truly believe that laughter is a gift from God because there are so many scientific benefits for laughing, the release of endorphins, the lowering of blood pressure, uh, the stress release. And Lord knows, especially as we record this um, mid-March, we need some stress release uh, uh, these weeks right now. Um, So I just want to encourage anybody that listens, don't be afraid of the power of humor. Now that is also, there's got to be some wisdom. Don't make a mockery of the pulpit by using too much or using it inappropriately. But as with anything that God has given us as a tool, when used appropriately, it can be powerful, it can be freeing, it can be healing, and it can help get the gospel message out there in a way that being serious and fire and brimstone may not do in, in our day and age. How has that been like a medicine for you? Is there still a tendency to kind of fall back into that old lifestyle of, you know, what led you into depression maybe? Um, there are definitely temptations and there are definitely moments where I find myself in that, uh, in that mindset. And it's one of those things where the enemy knows how to push your buttons. He knows where your scars are and he knows how to push them on that tender spot when you're not looking and kind of remind you and make you think like, Maybe I'm not really saved. Maybe God hasn't delivered me from from depression. Maybe all this is a lie. And and these are the lies that that are used to try to limit your effectiveness. So I definitely struggle. I have ups and downs. Um, It's kind of, in many ways, uh, the thorn in the flesh, like Paul had, uh, where I'm free, but I still have the scars that have those moments that remind me of where I was. And it takes prayer and perseverance to uh, to overcome those moments of weakness. Um, but I've seen humor be such a miracle drug for others. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I do is I volunteer once a month at Salt and Light Coalition, uh, where I teach improv to women who have survived sex trafficking. Oh, that's awesome. And sometimes, you know, these women, you know, because even though they're free from the literal slavery of sex trafficking, they have scars. They have worries. They have burdens um, because of the lifestyle that that forces. You know, many of them ha- are coming from places of addiction, and they're having trouble finding jobs. They're having trouble with the court system because the courts only see them as an addict and not as the victim who's trying to find victory that they are. And so they they'll come into the session, and you know they'll be carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. Uh, they'll look angry, ready to to fight somebody. But in five minutes of doing some improv warm ups and laughing, you can literally see that countenance of anger and hostility just break and crack up. And That's awesome. It, it, I love that. And I love it's such a blessing to be able to do that. It, it's humbling because. As a man, it took it was a risk for them to ask me to volunteer. For sure, yeah. Uh, because you know, there's a lot of trust issues with men. But 
I shared my testimony at a fundraising event for this organization, and the lady that runs it came up to me and said, I would love for you to teach improv to, uh, to our ladies. And I understand the weight of her asking me. I understand the, the seriousness of me being able to serve there. But it's just an amazing blessing to see the difference that can happen because the idea is with improv, I can help improve communication, uh, self-esteem, confidence, things like this. But if for one day a month I'm able to create an opportunity for these women to laugh like kids for an hour, wow! It's you know that's all I can ask for. But I know that God's going to use it in far deeper ways. But I'm just blessed to be able to give them a chance to laugh for that hour. I think that's so good, man. I feel like you know Jesus often talked about come to me as a child. You know, and I mm-hmm. think there's something about that inner child that is always there, mm-hmm. <laughs> but through our, you know, as we grow up, we have all these circumstances and we have all these experiences just layered on top of that inner fun loving child that it's really, really beautiful when that inner child comes out, you know, through, mm-hmm. through humor and laughter and, and comedy. And I do, I agree with you, man. I think it's such an amazing medicine. I think it's an awesome, um, I think, there's so many things you know, I, I mentioned earlier about just being a truth teller. And mm-hmm. I think that there's so many things, you know, we can, we can, we can talk about this Corona going on right now and all the, the panic that's going around. I think it takes a lot of courage to be able to find the humor in some things, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that like good comedians are so courageous <laughs> <laughs> right. They're so courageous. Even the ones that we may not agree with the language or the 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 end result of what their meaning is, but the courage that they have to actually say what most of the room is thinking, I think is a a big deal. I do. And I think uh just the power to be able to tell the truth like that, I think is a, a beautiful thing for sure. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's also a gift to be able to walk into a room where Maybe people aren't thinking what you're trying to say, but to at least get them to think about something different or about the other side of the, yeah. the coin, um, because that's something that we that our society has done very a uh, very nice job of is dividing us into assumed ideologies. There you go. Yeah, uh, where you're right wing, you're left wing, you're pro this against this. And if you try to be in the middle ground, you get both people who hate you. That's it. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, no. <laughs> That's right. Um, but in my mind, I see uh, the picture of Jesus on the cross. Um, his right arm is the right wing. His left arm is the left wing. Wow. And he's there nailed to the cross trying to bring us together to the middle where he's at. So we as the church need to be in the middle and bring both sides into the middle where he is at. And stop doing this tug of war with Jesus on the cross. That's good. That's good, and, man. And at the end, who's who our president is, who our congressmen people are, it's not going to matter. It's how we treated one another. It's how we serve the Lord. It's how many people we pointed to the foot of the cross. And whether or not they chose to go is truly up to them. It's just our job to say, hey, it's right there. And you know, we don't have to agree on every single thing other than the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's coming back. I don't know when he's coming back, but it's pretty soon, I believe. I don't know when, but I think God is telling him not to buy any green bananas. There you <laughs> That's good. That's good. I just kind of feel like the, the responsibility of the comedian is to to point to joy. You know? Yes. Like no matter what's going on, no matter what this and I, I love what you said too. You can you can walk into a room with people that you disagree with and if you've if you've made them think of something differently, for instance, there's a lot of panic and pandemonium going on out there. Let's try to find the joy in this, you know, Mm -hmm. that could be a fun project. Let's try to find some joy in this. Will you join me? Exactly. exactly. (laughs) That's good, man. So talk to me about, um, uh, gifts for glory. That's your, that's your ministry, right? Yeah, that's, um, my wife and I launched that early last year, and it's kind of the umbrella under which everything else we're doing uh, kind of operates. Uh, we do the uh, Gifts of Glory podcast, which is a um, it's a uh, biweekly. Uh, we do every other week we release an episode where we're uh, celebrating and promoting a man or woman who's um, 
using their gifts for God's glory. Um, so whether that's acting, comedy, uh, writing books, uh, uh, soon we're going to have an interview with a lady that uh, runs a promotion company uh, exclusively for Christian events. Um, so the idea is just to say, hey, there are many, many ways to use your gifts to honor God, to grow the kingdom. Um, it, and that's what that podcast is about. Um, also under there is the Wellverse Comedy Team where we do uh, comedy events. We also train uh, and do improv workshops. Uh, we do an Improv Your Witness, which is a program where we use improv fundamentals to get you out of your own head so that you're more able and willing to go out and share the gospel. That's cool, yeah. Uh, and it's uh, you know, it's a really a fun program. Um, and uh, we also have Pure Fest, and that's an annual uh, Christian improv and sketch festival uh, for te- teams and perfor- individual performers that do clean, family-friendly, whether it's comedy or drama ministry uh, performances, we just want to get them all together to fellowship, to encourage one another, and also to give them a platform to showcase that, hey, just because you call it Christian doesn't mean it's going to be lame or corny or bad. Yeah. Now, now, there's plenty of Christian stuff that is lame and corny and bad, yes. but but that applies to secular stuff, too. Yeah. I'm so um, glad that you agree with that. <laughs> just because it just because it's on Pure Flix doesn't mean it's going to be great. I mean, there's some fun stuff on Pure yes. Flix, but don't expect... You know, That's right. the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe to show up on Pure Flix. They're they're getting there. They're doing some really fun stuff. But so let's talk. You know. Okay, so so let's talk about that. What do you feel like needs to shift for for Christian comedy to be? Rec- I don't know. Is it is it recognized in the mainstream? I guess. Could you like speak to that? Sure. Uh, there are some that are you know really you know scratching that surface of getting out from underneath that. Um, you know, that connotation that, oh, you're a Christian comedian, yeah. you're going to be lame. Uh, Michael Jr. is doing really yeah. well at uh, reaching across. And, you know, most of his comedy is just straight real-world comedy um, because he, he is black. He talks about race a little bit here and there, yeah. but in a very lighthearted way, you really have to want to be offended in order for his stuff to offend. I mean, and... And I'm sure say, someone will. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> I always say that the man seeking offense is rarely disappointed. There you go. That's good. Um, Michael Jr. is doing a great job. Um, Tim Hawkins, he's uh, slowed down his uh, touring. Yeah. I don't think he's on tour right now, but he's somebody that's crossed over yeah. in many ways because he's just so popular and so out there. Um, you know, unfortunately, because of some personal failures, you know, John Christ was getting there. Right. And, but we're Christian. We believe that he can be redeemed and that, all this can be forgiven and moved past. So it's up to him to take those proper steps uh, to walk that road of restoration because he's definitely talented. He's got a creative mind. So if he can get right and then we as a church can see that repentance and that growth, um, you know, he's somebody I think has the talent to do that crossover. Because I, <laughs> I joke about him a little bit with one of my friends. I, said, I call him, he's the Dane Cook of Christianity. He is, yes, <laughs> very much so. So what do you think um, it's going to take for, like, for, for the movies to, to get to a point where it's a funny Christian movie as opposed to the cheesy, corny stuff? What's missing? I think uh, what's the biggest thing that's missing is – the willingness to be real. I think that I don't think we need profanity in Christian movies. I I don't think that's a line we should cross. Right. I don't think that there should be innuendo. I don't think there should be you know, some of the less than holy things. But I do think that we could be a little bit more realistic instead of trying to be a modern version of fifties TV shows. Right. I think that there's some things that they're trying to do uh, with, you know, with David A. R. White stuff on Pure Flix that they're trying to get there, but I also think that production value is one of the things that's that's slowing Christian comedy or Christian uh, movies down is that we don't quite have the finances to do the high end right. production, which, yeah, we're, you know, they're not there yet. But if we as the Christian community can see the effort and appreciate the effort and then support the effort, yeah, that's good. then the studios will get behind it a little bit more. The Kendrick brothers are doing some really cool stuff. 
they 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 still dabble close to that cheesy line. Yeah. And there were a couple of times during Overcomer where I was like, oh, come on, don't go there. And they, <laughs> you blew they stopped. it. <laughs> yeah. And they stopped right before that line. And I appreciated it. But I think, you know, being more realistic, uh, letting some real things happen. Like, I, and I'll be honest, the first time I saw War Room, I thought for sure that Miss Claire was going to die. I thought, okay, this is, yeah. okay, they're going to be real. Miss Claire is going to pass away. Yeah. And, but, you know, the, but if they had, then you had the, the powerful prayer at the end, which would have been missing. Yeah. But see, I think a little bit, I will say, I do feel like there's a tendency for so many of these Christian films to, they have to have that altar call moment at the end every time. Right. And, and so you can just feel the movie pushing to that. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but not every moment of my life is an altar call moment. You know, and I think that's what you were kind of hitting on too about being just being real. Like we do, there's nothing wrong with being entertained either. You know, I want to be entertained in a good, healthy way. I want to (laughs) laugh. And you know, I I think it's my job, I guess, as 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 the believer to to disciple and to lead people. Mm -hmm. I'd kind of like entertainment to just entertain me. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. I have yeah, no like problem the, uh, with pointing to God, you know, and pointing to Jesus, but I don't know. Yeah, it, I mean, it, if we would see the Bible as a dramatic piece as well as, you know, the truth of the gospel, not every story in the Bible ended up with a nice little bow and a happy ending. That's good, yeah. I mean, the book of Revelation reveals an ultimate happy ending for those who believe in Christ, but there is a lot of bad that's going to happen because of the tribulation, because of all the different things happening in the end time. Um, you know, Jesus going to the cross was probably the most brutal murder in the history of man. Yeah. Um, he was beat to within an inch of his life. He had to carry a 200 pound beam, uh, you know, a couple hundred yards or what have you, whatever it was from, uh, you know, from where he was beaten to the, where he was nailed to the cross. Yeah. That's not pretty. Yeah. And I, and I think it's okay for Christian movies and productions to go there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Passion of the Christ was a prime example. Yep. You know, they didn't hold back. They they showed Jesus being beaten to where he was unrecognizable, which is what the Gospels tell us. Yeah, that's good. And I don't think that we as the church need to be afraid to make money either. I don't. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, I think there's, I mean, I think that movie, for instance, gets criticized a lot of times because it, you know it made a lot of money and I'm like, well, that's okay <laughs> for, right. for me. It was the best depiction we've seen on camera of, of what actually happened to Jesus. And I'm sure it wasn't as bad as it actually was even, but man, let's, I don't know. I feel like Christians can go make money too. So like, let's, let's do this well and let's be okay with the reward at the end. <laughs> exactly. Don't be afraid of making money and trust in yourself and your, your faith to know what to do with the money when it comes in. Yeah, that's good. You know, be generous with it give out of, out of your surplus and then use it to then invest in more productions that can reach more people. Um, so just keep investing in the product because again, the production value, the production quality, all that will continue to improve when we invest in it. When we as the marketplace will spend our money going to see a Kendrick brothers movie instead of, going to see you know the mcu three times yeah exactly um good. what what was sad is the church and the big c church had so many people go support 50 shades of gray <laughs> yeah and, and they won't support necessarily um breakthrough or right or the kendrick brothers movie because it might be cheesy or have a corny ending but if we support the beginnings then we can see the fruit and see more people come to know Christ because the, the product gets better. Yeah, that's good. That's and good. It's, it's one of the things that I run to in comedy. Sometimes people won't support us because we're not performing in front of 500 people every night. Well, if you would come, we would get closer to that 500 number. That's right. And you could tell people about us. Yeah, that's good. But uh, that's it, good. it's just a strange thing about our society is we won't support things on the way up. We'll wait till it gets there and then we'll support it. Yeah. We'll see if it's going to be successful first. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that old uh, uh, political thing of, well, I can't support a third-party candidate because they won't win. <laughs> well, if everybody that's not voting supported the third-party candidate, that's we would exactly change the world. Right. Yep. Everybody votes for the two parties. That's what we got. It's two parties. Yep.
<laughs> so that's as political as we'll get. That's today. it. Yep, I'm done with that. <laughs> is this kind of your full time gig? Oh no, I, um, it's a part time ministry. Okay. Which my prayer and hope is that eventually, through uh, teaching improv, like like I do with Salt and Light, yeah. um, and then performing, I would love for that kind of thing to be my full time gig, so I could provide a home for myself, my wife, and and her three cats. Yeah, emphasis on her three cats. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do it, man. Um, I couldn't do it. Yeah. God bless you. But <laughs> well, you know, everyone has their mission field, and my mission field is loving her cats. <laughs> uh, she's actually sitting right here on the couch uh, next to me, so she's you know giving me the eye roll and the and the head shake. <laughs> That's good. But uh, yeah, that that would be my dream to be able to use comedy and improv as a way to minister and do that full time in a way that can provide for us. Yeah, man, I'll be believing in that with you. How about that? Yeah. I appreciate that. And any prayers uh, anybody can offer, um, you know, I have a group of, of uh, me and four ladies. So anybody in the Chicago area, we'd love to come to you. Um, it's harder to travel because we all have families and things, but I'm definitely willing to travel and come teach improv somewhere and, and try to help people break out of their shell. And, and uh, I use uh, improv as a way to communicate the gospel. What is the best way for people to check out what you guys are doing uh you could find uh the comedy team at uh wellversedcomedy.com uh that's all one word wellversedcomedy.com or you can find uh gifts of glory at gifts the number four glory.com and the podcast is on there too Mm -hmm. the podcast will be there is that podcast Um, available on all platforms uh as many as i could do yeah Uh, i've got uh, google i know i'm on apple I am on Spreaker and uh, recently was able to get on iHeartRadio. So Very nice. Pretty much all the big ones. So everybody go check out Gifts for Glory podcast. Go on there, check them out, rate them and review them. That's the uh, podcast lingo, right? Rate, review, and uh, just remember what uh, uh, what our good friend uh, Thumper used to say. If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at there all. There you go. <laughs> We would be okay with a five-star rating and then you saying nothing if you have nothing good to say, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, Dave, I appreciate you, man. I, uh, I value your, your testimony, your, your willingness to use comedy to break through your own issues and your own problems and your own darkness and kind of into a a place of light. But I value more your your willingness to kind of share that with everybody else that you come in contact with. And so, uh, thank you for doing what you do, man. Uh, thank you, man. I, I definitely appreciate it. And, uh, go K state Wildcats. Yeah. Good call, <laughs> man. There you go. Well, thank you, Dave. Bless you, dude. Uh, appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. All right. Bye.